listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. Ah, today is fun. Last week, we, I just feel like our, our, our gatherings have become, just getting even better. Like, you know that verse, like, glory to glory? It means, like, we're already in glory, but tomorrow is more glory or different glory. Next week is more glory. So, like, you're already glorious, but there's even more <laughs> to come. Isn't that wonderful? And our gatherings have just, we've been seeing more of the, the power of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. You know, it's his presence transforming lives. And a lot of times those are like, um, you, can't, you can't measure it numerically. You can measure it in, in like the joy levels in people's lives, the freedom levels, the, the restored relationships. People who are able, we're able to show up in any situation and be the same person, you know? Like our disguises are getting burned up by the accepting fire of God's love, you know? And, Yeah, he's doing wonderful things, and it's it's only going to increase. I I I was born in uh, into the Vineyard Church, the Vineyard Movement out of Anaheim, California. John Wimber started this thing up, you know, through the Holy Spirit in the late '70s, early '80s, and we saw lots of healings and and joy and the Toronto outpouring and people, you know, getting intoxicated by the the joy of the Lord and. And, uh, and then I went to an even wilder ministry school. And, and I feel like God is, um, he, he imparts where there is honor. Like honor is like a, a currency of heaven. And I just have so much honor and respect for the people from the Jesus people movement and the, the healing tent revivals and Azusa Street. And thank God for our AG brothers and sisters. Thank God for Pentecostal folks. Like I, I just feel like God is, God is going to finish not just, I mean, we all know he's going to finish what he started. He who began this good work in you is going to carry it to, to completion, but I feel like in our day and age, in our generation, the things that were started by the Jesus people movement and the vineyard movement, things that are left undone, we're going to see fulfilled. There are going to be signs and wonders and signs that make us wonder. (laughs) Um, How many of y'all were here for uh, last week, Corey Russell's message? It was so on point. I just really appreciate his tenderness and uh, receptivity and the way that he's just sensitive, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And the, what, he, what he brought last week was a feast. And the, the gist of it is that we, we look at the Lord and we're transformed into his very image from glory to glory. And, um, and I want to just, I mean, that's the, the shortest recap in the world because we don't have that much time today uh, because of all the, the healing and, and worship and it's just been wonderful. But um, I want to just quickly dive in to the Bible. There's going to be a lot of scripture today. We're just going to blaze through. I'm going to set up a few things for us and tell a couple stories. Um, and so let's go to 2 Corinthians 3. This is where Corey preached out of last week about um, us with unveiled faces looking at Jesus, unveiled faces contemplating his glory, unveiled faces even uh, reflecting and shining his glory. So can you put this one up on the screen? Second Corinthians 3, starting, let's start in verse 6, actually. I'm just going to read some of the verses around it to pro- provide even more context 
Second Corinthians 3, 6 says, he made us competent or sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Keep going. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Keep going. For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, What once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. (laughs) And we all... We all, together, corporately, as body, we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Is that the end of it? I think that's the end of it. Hallelujah. Isn't that a wonderful section of scripture? It's just chock full of so much revelation that you can go in in a bunch of different directions. And today I want to talk about um, those who shine with the glory of the Lord. And so that verse was setting up and, and recounting this really incredible story out of Exodus 33 and 34, where Moses is like, God is telling Moses, you're going to lead these people. And Moses is like, how am I going to lead these people? I barely know you. Like, I need to know you. The only way I'm going to be able to lead is if you show me yourself. Show me your ways and make it. Anywhere we go, anywhere you lead, please, we need your presence. I'm not going anywhere without your presence. Right? And that, that should be like the, the desperate cry of all of us. It should definitely be the desperate cry of, of every leader, like any, any shepherd. Like, I, I, I am a shepherd, but there is only one good shepherd, right? I, I'm, all of my shepherding is pointing to the one shepherd. If there's any glory on me, let it be the thing that leads you to like looking at the glory of the Lord. That's the heart cry of everyone in this room, right? Amen? The reason the Lord lifts his sons and daughters to these high places of influence and whatnot so that when we get there, we're saying, I'm not here on my own. I'm only here because of him. Like, it is the gift of God that sets men before kings and true kings, when they get true like gifted men who are set before kings, point all of their glory and, and all the credit goes to Jesus, right? So turn to Exodus 33. Moses gets a glimpse, doesn't he? He gets an eyeful. Let's go. Exodus 33, 18. Can you put that up on the screen, please? 
Then Moses said, please show me your glory. And then God said, I'll make my goodness pass before you. Isn't that interesting? Right in this moment, God makes his glory synonymous with his goodness. In any place, I believe any place where we don't have a sufficient understanding or revelation of his goodness is a place where we are deficient in his glory. Right? He makes his goodness and his glory synonymous. Let's read on. I'll proclaim before you my name, the Lord. I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Let's skip down. We're, gonna, we're just reading through the cliff notes of this whole interaction. This is Exodus 34, 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, remember the, the ministry written on stone tablets? With the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses didn't know that the skin of his face was shining because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face was shining. ESV is so literal, isn't it? (laughs) It's not just his face, it's the skin of his face, guys. Um, Just in case you were wondering, it's quite literal. Um, and, they, and they were afraid to come near him. I know like, this is like, oh, we're going to keep on reading here, but I know this is like old school Bible story. Like we, a lot of us grew up in the church, went to like Sunday school and we heard some of these stories. And, but like, could you imagine like in this, what if, what if Rafi, as he is worshiping, tapped into such a place of glory that the heavens are opened in front of him And then we're standing here and with our open eyes, his face starts glowing like a light bulb. Y'all get ready. This kind of glory is coming. So they were afraid to come near him. (laughs) I would be too. But Moses called to them and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him and Moses talked with them. Keep going. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out, he told the people of Israel uh, what he was commanded. The people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Isn't this crazy? We serve a crazy God. The one and only, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. This is wild. There's so much power and joy and clarity and holiness and righteousness in his presence that we being made in his image come into his presence and start shining with his likeness. Jesus came along and uh, he showed this to be very, very true on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? It's in 
both Luke 9 and Matthew 17. Let's actually, let's read from it. Let's read from Luke 9 today. Luke 9, 28. About eight days after these sayings, or after Jesus said these things, he took with him Peter, John, and James, his three amigos, right? <laughs> My little buttercup. And went up <laughs> on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. So in Luke 9, it says the appearance of his face was altered. We know from Matthew 17 that it actually literally says his face was shining like that of an angel, like shining, it's either an angel or the sun. It's Jesus' face. So like, catch this. This is the dude that they walk around with every day. The, the dude, Jesus Christ, son of God, son of man, only begotten of the father, firstborn of creation, firstborn from the dead, firstborn of many brethren. But here he is, just walking around looking like a normal dude day in, day out. Years go by, they see him, it's the carpenter's son, and he's, uh, <laughs> Corey's so funny, he always says, it's a five foot six Jewish man, you know? Just a normal dude, and, but Jesus takes his three best friends, Peter, James, and John, goes up a mountain, and is like, y'all don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> and his, his normal face, it says it was shifting and shining. Like it, and so like he was probably starting to look a lot more handsome or something. I don't know. Like he was looking and gloriously glowing. And it says that his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning or dazzling white. Keep on going. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. What? <laughs> Remember like Hebrews 12, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. Jesus walks up the mountain, begins to show his glory and out of him somehow, since he is the door, right? He is the gate to heaven. He is the glory portal. All of heaven is within in him, right? In him are all things. He holds all things together in himself. So out of Jesus onto the mountain comes not just Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah, are like to these guys, they're not just people. They're not just saints. They actually represent. Moses is the law and Elijah is the quintessential prophet. And so Jesus is now on the mountain with the law and the prophets. Could you imagine being Peter, James, or John in this moment. Like, wouldn't our, like, our hardwired brains would fall apart, right? You know, like the hardware would stop working. It would be insane. I love this next line. Um, they appeared to him in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Next verse. Now, Peter and those who were with him were very sleepy, but when they saw this, they became fully awake. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, Bible. Uh, <laughs> they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, wait, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let, let me make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. 
As he was saying these things, a cloud overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. This is starting to sound kind of reminiscent of Moses going up the mountain, isn't it? A voice came out of the cloud saying, Peter, (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's like perfect timing though. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him, exclamation point. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. So catch this. Jesus, the shining one, showing the the glory of heaven, goes up on the mountain and Moses and Elijah make a cameo. This This is their final testimony. And Moses in this moment is saying, I I carried it as far as I could. Here's the fulfillment. And Elijah is saying, I carried it as far as I could. Here's the fulfillment. Jesus being the one who fulfills the law and prophets, right? And Peter in this moment gets into the same deception that a lot of us get into. And he said, I'm going to make an equal place for Moses and a place for Elijah and a place for Jesus. And that's when the father says, hey, this is my son. Listen to him. And as soon as the voice spoke, who was left on the mountain? There was only one, right? There's only one. All right, let's keep going. Turn to Hebrews. There's just so much revelation in this. I could, I could talk for days, but go to Hebrews chapter one. It's right at the beginning of Hebrews. (laughs) Hebrews 1.1. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's speaking to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance. The radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Guys, what if when Moses went up that mountain and wanted to see God's glory, God said, I'm going to show you my goodness. And what if he got a glimpse of Jesus in that moment? What if those two moments in time converged in that moment and somehow the disciples were looking at Moses on the mountain, but Jesus was there and so was Elijah. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Have you ever thought about this? (laughs) Like just me. Okay. Like... (laughs) God can do things like that. Like he can do whatever he wants with time and space. So anyway, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for his sins, he sat down the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So Jesus is the radiance. I've heard theologians describe him as he is just the ever flowing one from the heart of the father. He is continually shining forth. He is the exact representation and the radiance of God. Colossians one puts it like this. He is the image of the invisible God and all the fullness of deity is dwelling in him. 
And in Christ, we have that fullness. Like Jesus, he's saying things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The words I speak, I speak from the Father. I only do what I see the Father doing. He is coming to show the world what the Father is like again. And after he had run his race, he had to sit down. Turn to Acts 15. Sorry, Acts chapter 6, verse 15. The visage of Jesus, the countenance of Christ, his face is so glorious and beautiful that when you look in at his face, when you look into his eyes, you don't even, you might not even realize it, but you start shining with his glory. And sometimes it is quite literal as in the case of this waiter named Stephen. He was a table waiter. He was a food distributor, you know, appointed by the apostles. He wasn't even named an apostle. This guy had so much wisdom and glory and spirit on him that the most, like the wisest theologians of that day couldn't compete with the wisdom that was flowing from this guy named Stephen. And this is that famous scene when he's about to be martyred and he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and he begins to give prophetic testimony of Jesus all throughout scripture. And the, the Pharisees are the, the, Saul is presiding over this like death of Stephen, over the martyrdom of Stephen. And this is what it says, gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like that of an angel. That's the ESV in, um, I think it's in the New King James. It says, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. And that, that famous moment when Stephen is, says, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand. One looking like the son of man. He sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he's shining with the radiance of heaven. Every verse in, in the Bible describes Jesus after his ascension as the one seated He sat down when he had finished the work. This is the one verse where it describes Jesus standing up. As Stephen, as the stones are flying at Stephen, as the Pharisees are plugging their ears and shouting, trying to block the glory coming from Stephen, they're rushing it, bum rushing him, taking him outside and stoning him. He's seeing Jesus standing. And it's as if Jesus is saying in this moment, I can't, I, I can't stay seated for this moment. And he stands in, in honor of Stephen as Stephen lays down his life. And you know, Stephen repeats those most famous lines from Jesus, his last prayer. Don't hold this sin against them. They don't know what they're doing. Stephen couldn't let his life condemn another man. He couldn't let his death bring on judgment on anyone else. And it was actually Stephen's prayer, don't hold this sin against them. 44 verses later, the very person who murdered him gets ransomed out of darkness into light. His name is Saul. He becomes Paul. The murderer becomes the author of the New Testament. That's Stephen shining. Psalm 34, 5 says, those who look to him are radiant. I have a, a spiritual mentor. He's like a, a papa in the faith for me. 
Amen. His name's Brad McClendon. He was one of Bob Jones's spiritual sons. Bob Jones, a prophet who went to Glory Town. He's up there hanging out with Jesus, looking down, looking at us. He might be, I mean, the, we're surrounded, right, by the great cloud of witnesses. So we're, we're being championed and cheered on by the saints who went before us. So Brad is a spiritual father of mine. And um, he often, sh- like, I'll have dreams about him, and he represents the Lord a lot of times. There have been a couple times when I needed to be delivered of something, and, and I had a dream, and in the dream, Brad hugged me, and I, like, puked out the demon and woke up feeling a lot better. And, and <clears throat> I, had a, I had a dream two weeks ago where I was sitting with Brad and a few other young men, and, and Brad began talking about the Lord. And... The, fa- the appearance of his face began to change in the dream. And as he spoke about the Lord, tears started to fall down his, his cheeks. And I, I, it was hard to see him anymore because what was happening is his face was shifting into the face of Jesus himself. And we were all weeping in the presence. And then uh, the, the dream shifted and I was just recounting what had happened in the dream. I was recounting to a friend who wasn't there what had happened. And in the moment, as I was recounting the dream, I began to weep and my face began to shift into Jesus. And that guy got wrecked in the dream. You know, this, these are amazing Bible stories, but they're quite literal and they still happen. Uh, Brad told me a story. He got invited to a, a Baptist camp one time to speak and when he was there, the, as soon as he stepped out of the car, this white or this red wasp flew down and stung him in his open eyeball. Talk about spiritual warfare, right? You're like, uh, you want to be an itinerant minister? <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, he's in excruciating pain, and the guy, his driver is like, what do you want me to do? Like, do you need to go to the hospital? Like, an urgent care? He's like, no, man, just get me to my room. I just, just get me to my room. And Brad goes to his room. He's in so much pain. Uh, from this sting in his eyeball. And he calls Bob, his, his spiritual dad. And, and Bob is so prophetic. Bob answers the phone before Brad can say anything and says, you got stung by an Amorite spirit, didn't you? <laughs> Legit. <laughs> and Brad was like, I don't know what it is, man, but I'm in so much pain. And, and, and Bob's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. There it goes. Yep, yep, there it goes. This is his version of prayer. It's healing prayer. There it goes. And Brad said he sees the stinger fall out of his eye and hit the ground and the swelling and pain went away. And Bob was like, what are you doing at that camp? Again, he just knows this by by revelation. And Brad's like, I don't know. I wasn't going to accept this invitation, but the Lord told me to come here. And and Bob was like, well, I saw the heavens stirred up last night (laughs) as if Jesus was coming. And... Brad's like, okay, and and he goes into prayer. He's going to speak that evening, and the Lord comes to him in a vision, and I'm I'm trying to make this as short as possible. There's so many incredible details. Maybe someday I'll unpack the whole thing, but Jesus says to him, tonight you're going to see these three people, these Baptist pastors. There's like 200 of these Baptist pastors in this camp gathering, and the Lord says, you're going to see these three people. Say to this one, these, like, in Jesus gives words of knowledge and then say to this one and then say to this one, these, you know, these words of knowledge. And so, and then Jesus says, and then we, when you're done with that, I'm going to come. And, and Brad was like, 
Praise the Lord. I just love it when the, the presence of the Lord comes. It's, just, it's wonderful. And Jesus says, no, Brad. And he looks in the eyes and says, I'm coming. And then Brad got terrified. <laughs> and he goes to the meeting and he, and he, and he sees the, the first person from the vision God gave him. It looks just, you know, it's the person. And he delivers the words of knowledge to, to this Baptist pastor and every word is dead on. It's completely 100% right, but they don't know how to react because they don't believe in words of knowledge. And so, <laughs> and then <laughs> God bless them. Love the Baptist. And then they go, they go to the, he goes to the next person he sees from the vision, gives the words of knowledge. Everyone, every word is dead on accurate. He goes to the next one, gives the words of knowledge. And as he's finishing the words of knowledge, which are all 100% accurate, he starts to shake because he knows he's got nothing after this. And the Lord said he was going to come and he doesn't know what that's going to look like. And, <laughs> So he finishes the words of knowledge and stops and the double doors at the back of this gathering room fling open and the resurrected Jesus stands and walks into the room while everyone starts freaking out, screaming, oh my God, he's actually real. He's really real. These pastors are hitting the ground and crawling under their chairs because they're seeing with their open eyes. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. They're seeing with their open eyes. Jesus, you know, he's in a body right now. So he shows up, <clears throat> Jesus is walking down and Brad said, when he sees the Lord, he loses power in the top half of his body and goes like this. <laughs> but he can hear pandemonium breaking out everywhere. People are just shouting, screaming. There's like chairs moving around, shuffling. It just mayhem has broken out. And these pastors who have proclaimed to know the Lord for 30, 40, 50 years are saying he's actually real. It's really real. And Brad said, as he's like this, he sees the feet of the Lord coming closer, but the Lord isn't slowing down. And, and Jesus walks into Brad and Brad shoots up like this. And he looks around the room and the whole room looks different. People who were sitting over here are now sitting over there or are laying over there. And he said that it was the strangest thing. They're all laying down like dominoes head to head, paired up. Two, like two people all, all the way around. It was, it was groups of two laying down face, for, face first against the floor with their heads touching. And like it kind of calmed down for a minute. And then at the same time, he said, everyone lifted their head and started shouting, Jesus, forgive me. I'm so sorry for slandering. And what had happened is that everyone in the room looked up into the face of the person that they were slandering last, gossiping about, had unforgiveness towards. And they weren't saying the person's name, they were saying, Jesus, forgive me for slandering you. Forgive me for spreading rumors about you. Forgive me for not forgiving you because of the least that you do under one of these, you've done unto him. And they're looking into the very face of Jesus. The room has been transfigured by the presence of God. And then as that starts dying down, people like look at Brad and Brad doesn't realize what's going on because they start freaking out and like shouting again. And he doesn't realize that he doesn't look like Brad in the moment. Like he's also shining with the presence of God. It's been somewhat transfigured. And when I forgot to tell you, when Jesus walked in the room, the, the worship leader dropped the F bomb and ran out the side door. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Brad, as, as he's standing there, he looks over here. Here's a commotion over here. It's two guys. They're dragging the worship leader back in the room. And he's got his hands on the door frame saying, I can't look at him. I'll die. 
And he's talking about bread because he looks just like Jesus. And they, they pull him in and Brad says he doesn't know what's going on. He just says this. He says, all I need is one step, son. And Brad says he can't explain it to this day. This kid takes one step and is translated 30 feet and is standing right at Brad. Brad hugs him and the guy pukes up a demon because he had this sex addiction, porn addiction that he had hidden from everyone. And he was the worship leader, which is why he took off running because he was terrified that he would die in the presence. Seven years ago, I was, uh, I was teaching a, uh, a ministry school about the transfiguration. I was teaching out of Luke, Luke 9, and um, I said this thing. I just said, Jesus didn't go up the mountain just to show his own glory. He went up the mountain to show that when regular men walk up the mountain of the Lord, they will turn into glory portals shining with heaven. Jesus was teaching them how to do it what it's like when you get into the presence. He was showing his own glory, but he was also showing the glory of humanity. And when I said, seven years ago, when I said this to the class, there were like 30 ministry school students. They started shifting in their chairs. And this girl in the back said, Jeremy, you don't look like Jeremy. And other kids in the room are like, I see that too. And the presence of the Lord became so thick in the room. I, they said that I had shifted. I, had, I was shining. And I don't even know why I said this. I just said, ask me, ask anything of God right now and you'll get an answer from heaven. And people were dropping to the floor. And it was the strangest, most powerful probably the most powerful moment I felt of the presence of the Lord. One of the most glorious things about the veil being torn and removed is that we can understand the heart of the Lord better than Moses did while he lived. Where Moses fell short, we don't have to. It might make you feel a little uncomfortable for me to say Moses fell short, but there is a reason he didn't enter the promised land. It's because he misportrayed the heart of God. When he struck the rock to make water come out of it with his staff, God told him, I, I want to give water to my people. Go speak to that walk, rock and I will cause water to flow from it. Moses gathers the nation and says, Here now, rebellious people, complainers, shall I now make water come forth from this rock for you? And he strikes it with his staff instead of speaking to it. Moses gets pulled aside by the Lord. I mean, water flow, like flows from the rock. But the Lord pulls Moses inside and says, Because you didn't uphold me as holy, you're not going to be able to enter the promised land. See, God just wanted to give his water to his people by speaking to the rock. Moses came forward and struck it with that prophetic staff of his. He beat that rock, misportrayed the heart of God. Here's what I'm saying, guys. I, I don't believe that God wants us to create an equal place for Jesus and Moses, but to turn to Jesus and have all the veils removed so that we can rightly see him. We can rightly interpret Moses through the lens of Jesus's life instead of trying to interpret Jesus through the lens of Moses. 
I believe that God wants us to know that he's truly more gracious and compassionate than we ever thought. He has removed our sins and remembers them more, no more. And when he wants water to flow from our lives, he doesn't strike our hearts. He speaks gently to them. Can we stand and pray together? Welcome back from Israel, Rafi. It's great to have you here, man. Jesus, we love your presence. We love your face. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We pray that the glory of your presence would increase at Upper Room Frisco. Jesus, we we just want all of your prayers to be completely fulfilled and answered in our day and in our time, that they would be made known, that greater works would flow through us than what even the disciples saw flow through you, Jesus. That's what you wanted, so that's what we want. That's what you had faith for, so now that's what we have faith for. Hey. Thank you that you never change, Jesus. You don't do anything as judge that you wouldn't do as father. You don't do anything as our God that you wouldn't do as a man. You wouldn't do anything as a lion. You wouldn't do as a lamb. You never change, and when we see that, it changes everything. Oh, gentle one, your gentleness makes us great. Oh, merciful one, your kindness leads us to repentance. Jesus. Holy Spirit, just flow. Touch my friends, Holy Spirit. Rivers of living water flow. Every place where that belly river has been dammed up, Lord, remove the stones. Any place where logs have dammed up the river, remove the logs and kill the beavers, Jesus. Flow, Holy Spirit. It's good to be in your presence. And your presence is the fullness of joy. Can you take a deep breath and just let it out? We thank you for your peace that transcends understanding, peace that transcends what we think our circumstances are. We thank you for your miracles, the and suddenlies, and we thank you for the slowlies the slow walk with you. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) You're good, Lord. You're good. You're good, Jesus. You're good, Jesus. You're good, Jesus. You're good, Jesus. We celebrate your goodness because your goodness is your glory. And we celebrate your glory because your glory is your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There is an intoxication, an ecstasy of the Spirit that surpasses life's pleasures. 
Come rest on us, come live through us, God. Jesus said these crazy things. He said, if someone tells you the kingdom's over there, don't believe them. If someone tells you, look over here, I found it, don't listen to them. I tell you the truth, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And then when we wanted to know how to pray, Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father out in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does the kingdom of heaven, which is invisible, change everything around us, which is visible? It comes through you. He didn't just turn you into a door. He put the kingdom of heaven within you. And as you become you and your heart unlocks more and more, the kingdom which is invisible changes everything that is visible around you. It's when power and healing, prophetic breaks out. Jesus, we thank you. I ask that you'd help us, help me. We just wanna know you, spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation, open our eyes that we would know Jesus through whom the Father is speaking.